Continuous light is nice, but continuous light has a limitation, meaning I can't compete if it's bright, ugly sunlight with a bright continuous light. I can't separate them. Where with off-camera flash, I can always underexpose the bad light and fill it in with an off-camera flash. Welcome to this week's episode of Photo Pros Weekly. I'm Brandon Heiss, and I'm joined again here with Olivia Tuttle. This week, we're going to dive deep with Bob Davis, a wedding and portrait photographer based out of Chicago, Illinois. And welcome, Bob. Thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here. So happy to be here. It's nice to virtually connect, although I wish it was in person. It was coming up in my Facebook feed that this time last year, we were all together in Vegas. Yeah, WPPI, right? Yep, yep, yep. Very good. Kind of missed that coming together, you know? Um, we're so social and everything we do with events, weddings, portraits, all that thing depends on coming together. So I, I do see a lot of light at the end of the tunnel. We're getting tons of inquiries and things are opening up. So yeah, we're getting prepared for a busy year. Well, that's good to hear. And I know, you know, I think at one point we talked uh last year kind of in the heart of when when most weddings were getting canceled and you had mentioned to me that you were gonna you felt that 2021 was was going to bring you know multiple weddings per week and not just for you but for all wedding photographers it, it seems sure. like um you know saturday is a traditional wedding day let's say but but people aren't going to have the luxury of choosing what day of the week they get married in this year and if they decided to hold off or or postpone their wedding from 2020. Uh, so is that still kind of looking the same this year, that, that wedding photographers are, are going to be uh, shooting on Tuesday nights and uh, or, or whenever they can? I, I think so. People are ready to celebrate. And I talk to photographers because every every state is different. So Illinois is still really slow opening up, but I know people in Florida and Texas that have already been doing full-on weddings. So folks are kind of um, um, done with COVID, done with being restricted. They want to start living their life and with common sense. People are smart. You know, I trust everybody's common sense. And people are looking to come together and celebrate life after this year we've been through. So I'm... I'm really training now. I really am physically. Cardio is not the problem, but strength and, you know, wrist and things like that and nutrition because Memorial Day weekend, I've got Friday, Saturday, Sunday, back to back to wow. back. All you know, three different so weddings then, huh? A rehearse, not a rehearsal, but a welcome dinner, two weddings, and then a post-wedding day. We're still waiting to hear about Monday celebration. Wow. But yeah, things are still kind of fluid. And we have a few people that in September and October are full on expecting 300 person weddings. Wow. 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 Well, really I, I hope, I hope we are at the point where we can have 300 people gathering and, uh, you know, doing it safely and responsibly. So, well, good. So, so Bob, for those people that don't know you, tell us a little bit about yourself. Tell us, uh, you know, I mentioned your kind of wedding portrait, but tell us, uh, and the listeners, you know, who you are and, and when you got started in photography and kind of your, your history of photography. I feel like I'm one of those old guys now just telling war stories. Um, I've been doing this my entire life. I've been a photographer since high school, hooked on photojournalism. My goal was to work for the Chicago Sun-Times and, and I achieved that goal. I worked there for 15 years, uh, freelanced all along the way because we could while I was at the paper. So I've 
freelance for Time, Newsweek, People, Sports Illustrated, all of that. So uh, come 2004, you know, I was getting burned out on bad news for whatever reason. I'm good at it. People welcome me into their life when there's tragedy and, you know, I've never turned down an assignment. But then once we had kids, I kind of said to our editors, like, okay, been there, done that. This is starting to really grind on my soul. And, you know, I don't want to do any more dead people stories, no more dead kid stories. Otherwise, serious, I'll resign. And they're like, ah, you're full of shit, you know, seriously. Because whoever leaves the newspaper, nobody does. Right. Especially a newspaper that at that time was in the top 10 in the nation. So so you worked for the Times uh, for 15 years then? And then what happened yeah. when, when you said you don't want to cover any of the uh, the nasty news anymore? Yeah, I you know, I got, I got burned out on bad news, yeah. really. And in December of 2003, there was a, a, a bad nightclub incident in Chicago. The name of the nightclub was the E2. I'll never forget it. Um, the club closed, and then they decided to have an after-hours party, and someone on the inside chained the door shut, right? So there was still a lot of people inside. Fire breaks out, smoke alarms go off, people get trapped at the glass doors, trampled. So there was, I'm paraphrasing now because I don't remember, but there was like six or seven people that died in this incident. Um, I got sent to the scene the next morning. For whatever reason, I, I connected with a family member who was grieving you know, at a makeshift memorial site there. And they want to tell their story. And so you listen and they're like, telling you, well, I want to show you, you know, what my son lost and her son had died. It was a mom in this tragedy who had a son who was living with grandma. So I go back to the house with him. And of course, the paper like this is gold because it personalizes the whole story. And I'm like, yeah, but, you know, I'm not going to push. And they call these things handouts. And the paper's like, well, get a handout of the dead guy, meaning get a photograph that we could run paper as a headshot that this is one of the victims. And again, try and personalize a story. So we do that and people open up their lives. They invite me on this entire journey of grief with them, picking out the casket, allowing me in to the funeral. One of the saddest photos that still gives me chills is dad's open coffin, people are crying, and the little boy is looking up on the casket like this, right? And it's tearing my heart apart. I resigned that day. I went in, wow. finished the assignment, finished the story. I said, I told you guys, there's younger people here, people that want to do this kind of stuff. I was going to quit. And so I did. Handed in my resignation. And it's a natural evolution to weddings. And also it was a convergence of technology that made it easier. Back in 2000, January 2004, digital was really becoming viable and um, not so challenging to to work with, you know, because I was working with digital with the paper back when we had a VCR pack that shot a one megapixel file on deadline. <laughs> but it was really expensive and really laborious to get an image. And then when the Nikon D1 came out, you know, that really kind of revolutionized it and made it mainstream and affordable for everybody to go digital in the news industry. So, you know, I had that knowledge and went to that. And so I just evolved to the storytelling with weddings and digital made that so much easier. The chief photographer hired me, Bob Katalik, said, 
he's giving me my very first assignment at the Sun-Times. And it was to go photograph jockey Pat Day at a horse race track. You know, he was kind of on winding down in his career, one of the most winningest jockeys. He's like, kid, come back with a good picture or don't come back at all. We can't publish an excuse. I'm like, okay, you know, I'm going to do my best. And, and you embrace that. And you're always on deadline. Back then when I started at the Sun-Times in, in 1989, we had multiple editions. So you'd have a morning edition. You'd have a downtown circulation, five o'clock edition for people getting off of work, which would have the final markets in it. And then you'd have a home delivery edition. So you're only shooting for a deadline in addition. And with sports, you want to be relevant with the 10 o'clock news. So those two earlier editions, you want to have relevant photographs in that could compete with what's going to appear on the news. So we would literally, you'd shoot for the first five minutes of any quarter, be it basketball, hockey, or football, whatever. And you'd have to unload your film and send it whatever you had, right? So you have to take these notes. And there were times when I first started, they were just ending this program. Bob Cattell, who hired me, loved the pigeons, homing pigeons. So they used to have little homing pigeons and they'd have film runner, but they would put a little film canister on the pigeon and- That's how you would send, send them out? Off. I only did it one <laughs> time, right? And then the paper's like, look, you know, we have people that could do that, but we also had film runners and they're interesting characters. So a guy who worked in our press room was a Hell's Henchman, which is a chapter of the Hell's Angels. So they would run our film every quarter. They'd take, you'd be four of us at the game, pick up our bag of film because they're on a motorcycle. They could navigate through the traffic really quickly and the cops liked them, boom. So we're constantly running film back and forth. There was, there was a couple things going on with the pigeons is at that time, Catalic was nostalgic about it. And secondly, the city was reintroducing peregrine falcons. So that was another thing that kind of, you know, had to remove the nostalgia from Catalic. And, and he's one of those old guys shot four by five. He photographed Marilyn Monroe and all those. He goes, hey, it works. Let's stick with it. Yeah, so it sure. And it, they're homing pigeons. So Mike Tyson is huge. He loves homing pigeons. It's still a, a pretty big hobby in New York where people take their pigeons to different locations and then they time how long it takes them to get back to their destination. Wow. Last year, we still did a few events and this is becoming progressively more expected for higher end clients. And they want to move images to social media immediately so that's what i do is during the step and repeat especially when they're greeting guests and uh, celebrity type people i'll photograph and it'll go right to the pr person's phone a jpeg file and they could send out immediately so they'll stand right next to me on the step and repeat i'm not even tagging photos i'm just shooting and dumping to their phone because there's just not that much time and the last time we did a charity event, we moved 80 photos that way, which is relatively easy as long as you have a good connection. Going back to film days that evolved, we would have to scan each negative. And it got to the point we were doing this from stadiums, like the night the Bulls won the first championship in LA against the Lakers. You know, we were developing film right at the stadium. And then we had this thing called a Compander which was a Halliburton briefcase with a terrible scanner in it and a little TV screen in it. And it would take you like 10 minutes to scan three colors, red, green, blue. 
And if there was a hiccup in there anywhere, you'd have to scan all over again. Then you'd plug in the modem right to it and send it back to the paper. But that, that was better than even before that, we used to make prints. And then you'd put it on a drum scanner and then that would take like 10 minutes per color to send the drum scans over the phone. Hmm. We would bring um, a big trunk, which would be your portable darkroom. If AP wasn't there, if the Associated Press was there, sometimes we would contract for them and they would just uh, develop our film, dip and dunk, and then we would scan it and print it. And now you just have a nice gear bag for all your lighting. Yeah, that, and it's like right to the phone. You know, yeah. it's, it's mind boggling to me. How so fast speaking of gear that. bags, what is like the one item that you have to have in your gear bag when you're shooting? Well, I have to have light. I always have to have some type of off camera flash. If I don't, dare I say, Dawn gets upset. Happy wife, happy life. And she's an amazing uh, retoucher, designer. She does all of our final editing on our photographs. And just that kiss of light does make a huge difference in the photographs. In the Midwest and in the event space that we're in, I don't get to choose the right time of day for lighting. You got to go when people say go. So that's why you got to have some type of auxiliary lighting. Um, I guess I do care what it is. For me, it's always been flash. Continuous light is nice, but continuous light has a limitation, meaning I can't compete if it's bright, ugly sunlight with a bright continuous light. I can't separate them. Where with off-camera flash, I can always underexpose the bad light and fill it in with an off-camera flash. And that has even gotten easier. But this started back in photojournalism. Right, everything goes back there because that's my roots and foundation. And we used to do a lot of press conferences in Chicago. The mayor would speak, uh, some the feds would speak. There, there's a, a full list of press conferences every day, and someone would cover them all because you never know what news would come out of those. Basically, talking headshots. And they would have these press conferences anywhere and everywhere, but never light them. Right, so you might. Actually, I started this with our first African-American mayor, Harold Washington. He was so dark complected and he'd be in City Hall in some alcove giving an impromptu press conference and it was dark and it was just terrible, right? Maybe a TV guy would have a direct spotlight every now and then. So what I started doing is, okay, I've got three, I had two 283s, one 285 Vivitar speed light. They weren't speed lights, they were just flashes. So I would have one on an optical trigger on a little portable light stand off, and I would have my on-camera one in, and just adding that side light coming in, all of a sudden my editor's are like, you're now the press conference guy. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to do something good, and I'm, because nobody else wants to light them, you know, I get to do them. I said, well, how about I'll do the important press conferences. Photo essays to me were what I always wanted to do, tell people stories. And so the triangle of light evolved there. So then I started doing, you know, a 30 foot PC sync cord because then other photographers that had a flash on camera at these press conference were firing my light and then my light wasn't ready to go. So I needed it dedicated, right? So then I started doing two of them with sync cables, right? So the third light was always the on camera. 
the triangle really didn't evolve until radio poppers came along. So Canon and Nikon both came out with optical line of sight communication, which freed you from having an, an optical trigger that anybody could fire or a long sync cable that people would trip over at events. But with wireless line of sight communication, at least I could get two lights in front of me. See, it's line of sight, so that's limiting. I couldn't have a backlight or a light that my on-camera flash could not communicate with. Radio Popper invented an interpreter which would capture that optical signal from Canon and Nikon, translate it into a radio signal, decode it instantaneously back to an optical signal on those speed lights. Whoa, revolution. Now I could put a light anywhere. I could go and really dig into backlighting, which I love. I'm a backlightaholic because now I don't have to worry about my flash not seeing the transmitting light, right, right. right? That's when the triangle really took shape because I could put these lights way out of sight so nobody sees them, right? They had an easily 250 foot range with the radio poppers. So now I can get these lights out of the space so they're not um, impeding anybody's sight lines or in harm's way. And then just the progression, Canon and Nikon said, wait a minute, we need to evolve this. And they came out with the radio signal and the speed lights. And then now strobes are doing it, like the FJ system. It's all wireless radio controlled with dedicated groups. So Bob, one of the things that I've seen you do and I think is really unique is the triangle of light. And, and it's something I don't know if you've coined or, or if, if you learned it from somebody, but I certainly see a lot of people doing it now um, tell us a little bit about your triangle of light and kind of um, how you use the triangle of light, maybe at, at weddings or ceremonies. Well, I'd like to take credit for it. I know I invented the term or coined the term triangle of light, and we've been teaching it now for at least 10 years. And yeah, at least it goes back to radio popper days when they created this radio interpreter, which freed us from the constraints of line of sight or optical communication with speed lights. So now that we all have this radio capability of communicating with off-camera flash, we can put three lights in any venue space. So what the triangle of light is, is we put each light into its own independent group. Now there's a purpose at the way I approach it because your on-camera flash is always in group A with Canon. If your Nikon, at least Nikon labels it master, then groups A, B, C, D, and E. But Canon, they don't do a really good job clarifying in their instructions that group A is always the sender unit. And the FJ80 is now in that same lineup, meaning A is always your sender unit. So if we want to differentiate that flash output from any of our other groups, they all need to be in their own independent group. So the on-camera, if it's going to contribute, is in group A. Then my off-camera flashes will start with camera left will be in group B. Camera right in the front of the room will be in group C. And then my separation light is in group D. And that's always in the back of the room. So the way I set up our room is wherever the most of the entertainment or excitement is going to be, let's say the dance floor in front of the band, that's where the A and B light are pointing at the floor, at the dance floor. That's where the speeches are going to be, the cake cutting, all the action, the dancing, all the action, right? And I could even shoot to, towards those lights to get some cool um, bokeh or to get some cool flare, whatever the case may be. 
But by having those in independent groups, it frees us up instead of just all three lights firing, which is a huge advantage going from just a bounce flash or one flash, but to now dial those lights in. Sometimes we don't need the B light to fire at all. Let's say dad is speaking and he's facing the head table across the dance floor, but he keeps favoring looking toward the bride and she may be to my camera right. Well, I'm then gonna use the C light to illuminate her face right from across the room. The D light is gonna illuminate dad from the back of the room and we don't need B light at all. Now here's where the power of the ISO comes in. So the way I approach this is I find my ambient light exposure first and I use my ISO. So we've got to handhold it. We're usually in a dark space. So I, my starting point is always 1600 in a room. And rarely do I go above F4, F4, 5 because they're small lights and we still want that ambient light to come in. Mm -hmm. So I stay at that four to five aperture range. And now I just use my shutter speed to dial in how much ambient light I need. The higher up the shutter speed goes, the more your off-camera flash is the dominant light. The lower your shutter speed is, the more you're dragging in the light that's in the room. But as long as we keep that one to two stop separation between ambient light and off-camera flash, we will minimize camera shake and blur. So if it's a really dark space and you're at 1200 ISO and you're at a quarter of a second, you could still stop the motion because the flash is the dominant light source and that instantaneous pop of light will freeze everything. And you know you always have the, the coverage you know, of, of the scene. Exactly. And our goal is to just put that kiss of light in there so that we can capture in its best light and to get those highlights in people's eyes. Well, good stuff. No, that's, uh, I, I love seeing, you know, Bob's triangle of light and I, and I, you know, sometimes go to weddings myself and, uh, and see other photographers. Yeah. Going so in. of all of these places that you've shot, I mean, for weddings and such, is there one that's like most memorable or I don't know if it was like the event that was most memorable or the location. Um, it, maybe the people. So I'd have to, well, it, every event takes on the energy of the couple, mm -hmm. right? And it's reflective of them. But one of my favorite events ever was Eva Longoria's wedding to Tony Parker. It was a, a six day celebration in Paris. So it was always something new, something different, great energy from the people that were there, uh, very warm and inviting to us. So we didn't feel like the help at all. And moments were just unfolding before us. And it's like, I couldn't take a bad picture of the entire six day event. And it was just, it was just amazing. And that was back in line of sight days. So I, I could never get a D light, but I always had a, a B and C light. Wow. Paris, six days. Yeah. Can't go wrong with that. Celebrities. No, I'm you sure can't. you saw I mean, some, We hung out in Coco cool. Chanel's apartment. She was trying on dresses. <laughs> Uh, the actual wedding, she got married twice because in Paris, you have to do a civil service and then you have to do your faith service. So they did okay. a civil service and it was downtown Paris and it was like half the city was in on it wow. at a chateau. And then their actual wedding, they got married in a big cathedral because she's Catholic, he's Catholic. And then the celebration was at a chateau 
that uh, had gardens that rivaled Versailles. Okay. Wow. It, was, it wasn't a really big wedding. It was only about 180 guests. But well, it was just I don't think it needs to be huge as long as you're in Paris, right? I mean, that's exactly. that's pretty big. Yeah, I, I think yeah. that's pretty extravagant. Yeah. And the six day, the six days is, is but a just everybody's big. energy was flowing and having fun, and it wasn't that they were celebrities. It was just the energy of the people. Yeah. Sure. So the two, it was like a two wedding event in the six days. It was sure. So we had. We had a welcome dinner on the Seine River. We did Euro Disney, and she took all her guests to this. So it's kind of cool. They closed Euro Disney for their, them and their group. So it was athletes and actors. And mm-hmm. then we did a welcome dinner at uh, Baccarat, in the house of Baccarat. Um, then they did a casino night. And then we did the civil ceremony. And then we did the um, religious ceremony and celebration, the big wow. wedding. Just a modest wedding. Just a modest sounds, wedding. Sounds like a normal. <laughs> it was yeah. fun. And you're rolling the entire time. And that's, again, one of those things where it was pre being able to send the files from the camera. So poor Dawn was locked in the tower of this chateau on wedding day. And we're feeding her cards because it got published in In Touch magazine that, that Tuesday. And the wedding was on Saturday. So, you know, we're editing photos at five in the morning on Sunday morning and Eva Longoria is picking out her favorite ones, you know, and we had to send them 250 photos back to New York to get them published. Wow. On the pigeon? No pigeon for that one. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. We actually, they had their own editor and writer there and we put it on two hard drives and they took the hard drives and flew back to New York. Very cool. That's amazing. Well, Bob... Uh, we're kind of up against time here, but God, I feel like we could go on forever and we're going to have to have you back because we haven't even dug into, you know, some of the time you had with Oprah and Obama and some other past presidents. It's, It's, uh, you, you truly have, have seen, uh, you know, more than, than people can imagine seeing in a lifetime. And, and, and you're still only like what, 35 years old. I mean, you act 35, you're, you've, you've got your youth. Um, and so I guess what I want to say is thank you first for, for joining us today. And uh, where can people find you, Bob? Where can people see your work and, and, uh, and find you on social media? Well, you can find us. Dawn just put in a ton of time and, and effort into redesigning our website. So everything is Bob and Dawn Davis. So our website's bobanddawndavis.com, as well as our Instagram and Facebook. Now, if you're looking for creative stuff for photographers, a photographer's audience then mine is bob and dawn in the wild because that's kind of a catch-all of everything and tutorials and then i go live on facebook so just look up i believe it's one bob davis on uh, or bob davis one on facebook you do like lighting labs right you you go i do lighting lab yep i'm always testing gear constantly practicing constantly trying to tweak what we do so I could even be more efficient and faster. And before every event, you know, we get together with our team and we practice, run through setup, breakdown. How are we gonna like this? What's our approach for that? Again, with that philosophy that we don't wanna turn someone's day into a photo shoot. Well, and I'll leave, I'll leave it at this. I mean, that's, that's truly what separates you as a professional. I mean, you practice, it's, it's just like a, a, an athlete. You know, you're practicing your craft and, and then you're, you're just preparing for for game day and game day and you and you're 
you know, life is, is the wedding day. And, and, you know, that's why you have a bunch of, uh, celebrities and, uh, you know, happy clients, uh, in, in your portfolio. So. Well, it goes back to, to, uh, Bob Katalik and what he said, you know, you can't publish an excuse. You can't come back. So here for people that are listening and watching, look up Sophia Vergara's wedding photos, right? And here's someone who's a high level celebrity. She was a model. She could afford anybody. And they got the house photographer at the breakers. She shot it with on-camera flash and they're just terrible. The color is so orange and I'm, my heart's going out there. And that's what's challenging in what we do as wedding and event people is in many respects, we're dealing with uneducated buyers because it's all emotional. Now, if this was a, a, an ad for you know, L'Oreal or something, some brand that she represents, there would be art directors, there would be photo, photo editors, and they would clear all the skills needed to accomplish that photo. But when it comes to weddings, people just don't know. And things happen so fast that they're only going on the emotion of their friend and what they recommended. And going back to Catalic, he always said to me, sign your work with excellence. In the newspaper industry, you're only as good as your last photo that was published. And so I embrace that to this day. You know, we're only as good as the last event we photographed, because that's what people see. Absolutely. That's, that's awesome. You cannot publish an excuse. It yeah. should, that's, that's not just in, in photography. That's, that's life. Don't yeah. Quit publishing excuses, no, I, people. I hear photographers that come to us and say, oh, it was so dark. Yeah. You know, I'm like, well, I've shared with you the triangle of light. You set it up. Nah, it, it, things were going so fast. I'm like, yeah. you could get in there 10 minutes ahead of time, pop Practice. your light stands up and do it. Yeah. You know, that's an excuse. Mm -hmm. That's right. Well, great, Bob. Well, thank you so much cool. for joining us. Uh, that, that concludes this uh, week's uh, Photo Pros Weekly. Uh, if you haven't subscribed, make sure you subscribe uh, here, not only on YouTube, but also on whatever platform you're, you're listening on today. So we'll see you next time. Thanks for joining us. Bye, Bob. Bye-bye. Thank you.